Yesterday I began this series on Hinduism by bringing up a question which a lot of people have about an apparent conflict between the desire to enjoy the world and the desire to know God. Or in other words you can say Bhautikvad and Adhyatmavad. In other words if somebody thinks that all I need is this world, I don't need anything from God, I don't need faith in God, I don't need to believe in God, just whatever I can get from this world is enough for me, that would be extreme bhautikvad, extreme materialism. And on the other hand, if someone thinks, I don't need anything from this world, all I need is my devotion to God, that would be extreme adhyatmavad. So we looked at this from one side yesterday. We examined the logic behind Bhautikvad. Does it make sense to say that all I need is the world, I don't need anything from God? And we saw, we saw that from many different angles, from many different perspectives, it isn't logical to say that. For one, even the Bhautikvadi, even the one who's only desiring worldly pleasures is desiring them for one thing and that is happiness. But I prove to you from the several different angles that there's no true happiness in worldly pleasures. That no matter how much you enjoy them, you always want more and you're never satisfied. And your desires for them just go on multiplying. So no one in the history has ever reached the point of satisfaction when it comes to enjoying worldly things. However much you enjoy, you just think you need more. So true happiness is in God. God is divine and this world is material. So from this world you can get material happiness and from God you can get divine happiness. So I told you that if you were the body, if your true identity was that you are your physical body, then the world would be enough for you. But you're not just your body, you are the soul. So you are divine, therefore only God's divine happiness could satisfy you. So even from the prospect of finding happiness from this perspective, the Bhautik Vadi cannot be successful. He cannot find true happiness simply by enjoying the world, even if he doesn't believe in God. So to find happiness, a Bhautik Vadi needs to find God. Also, I explained to you that no matter how much progress we have scientifically in this world, no amount of scientific progress can help us progress inside. Inside our mind, our heart, what is that, the state of our mind? How pure or impure is it? Accordingly will be the quality of our thoughts and accord, accordingly will be the quality of our actions. So there's no science or technology which can purify your heart. Only devotion to God can do that. So even from the point of view of just having a nice, peaceful, harmonious family or society, that is not possible without bhakti. Because without bhakti, no one's mind can get purified, so everybody will be having impure thoughts and doing wrong actions. So where could there be, how could there be harmony in the world or in the, even in one family? So even if someone doesn't want 
divine happiness if they just want peace and harmony in the world even from that point of view bhautik vaad is not enough because bhautik vaad materialism or just devotion to material progress alone can provide more comforts and worldly pleasures but it cannot change us or improve us in here for that we need spirituality we need devotion to god there is no science or technology which can reduce the defilements of the human mind like anger jealousy hatred all of these things can only be reduced through devotion to god the more we are attached to god the less of these negativities of the mind are manifested they become less and less in the mind not through material progress but through spiritual progress so no matter how much we progress materially only through progressing spiritually will we actually improve our behavior and our use of that technology which we're developing science can't make us good people spiritual progress will make us good people so bhautikvad on its own is illogical you need devotion to god to complement material progress now what about the other way what if someone says i don't need anything from this world the world is just oh it's just an illusion anyway all i need is my devotion to god forget about proper food proper sleep proper discipline proper behavior responsibilities forget about all of that all i need is god's name does that make sense that won't practically work either for one thing everybody has physical needs which must be met from this world we all have a physical body don't we so we all have to drink we all have to eat we all need medicine from time to time we all need uh, some shelter from the elements so everybody as long as they have a physical body they're going to have needs from this physical world so nobody can ignore this physical world no matter how much devotion to god they have someone may say oh yes but there have been great yogis who were so renowned so highly evolved that they just lived on eating dry leaves from the jungle okay but those dry leaves are are what there's something from this world so even that yogi is relying on the world okay so the person says yes but there were also yogis who didn't need to eat anything they survived on air just by breathing so what are they breathing they're breathing the air which is also part of this world he's still relying on the world okay there were some yogis who didn't even breathe they were in such a deep samadhi their breathing stopped and their heart rate was so low it was indetectable and they just sat in samadhi without breathing or eating anything so where were they sitting on the earth that's part of the world too that's part of sansar okay the person says well what about those yogis who didn't even need to sit on the earth they floated they levitated and remained in samadhi so where is he he's in the space is he not akash space is also part of this sansar akash vayu tej or agni jal prithvi these are the five material elements the yogi cannot escape that as long as someone has a physical body your physical body is made of the worldly elements so how can you deny the necessity of the world nobody can 
शरीर यात्रा पिचते न सिद्धाये कृष्ण सेज टू अर्जुन इन द गीता दैट अर्जुन इफ यू डोंट डू एनी फिजिकल action at all you won't even be able to support your body so everybody does something everybody has physical needs from this world that have to be met nobody can claim that this world is not real or doesn't exist if someone does there are some people who study advait philosophy and they say oh shankaracharya said that this world is just illusion it doesn't really exist Okay so uh when Shankaracharya wrote his bhashya of the Brahma Sutra when he explained that and said the world is an illusion it doesn't really exist what did he use to write a pen what did he write on a paper while he was writing his bhashya he was eating food drinking water sleeping on the earth the very things he's making use of are the very things he's denying the existence of it's completely illogical the world is real if someone says to you oh no this world is just an illusion i don't need anything from this world okay do you still eat food if you don't need anything why do you still eat drink do you have money do you like to watch tv the same person who's saying i don't need anything from this world he's sitting in front of his tv watching the tv so it's all just talk the world is real it's here shaktitvan nanritam vedyam shandilya maharshi says this world is produced by god's power which is called maya maya is not an illusion Krishna says in Gita daivi yesha gunamayi mama maya duratyaya He says this maya is real and it is my power mama maya and no one can cross maya on their own if maya were an illusion anyone could cross it Tulsidas ji says no not even then he says even if you want to believe maya is an illusion He says rajat seep mahabhas jimi yatha bhanu karvari tadapi mrishati mukal mah bhramana sakai kotari He says even if someone is willing to say oh just like uh, when you see a mirage in the desert it looks like it's there but it's not actually there there's no water there but it looks like it's there even if someone wants to say the world looks like it's here but it's not actually here Tulsidas ji says just by saying it's an illusion is not going to make it go away it's still here you can't defeat this maya just by believing it to be an illusion so it is god's power सो दासी रघुबीर की समुझे मिथ्या सोपी छुटे न राम कृपा बिनु नाथ कहु पद रोपी तुलसीदास जी चैलेंजेस इट्स माय चैलेंज दिस माया इज राम्स सर्वेंट she is his power सो नो वन कैन गेट फ्रीड फ्रॉम माया विदाउट गेटिंग राम्स ग्रेस मामेवये प्रपद्यन्ते माया मेताम तरंतिते कृष्णा सेज यू वांट टू क्रॉस माया इन द गीता सेज सरेंडर टू मी माया इज माय पावर आई विल टेक यू अक्रॉस माया नो वन कैन क्रॉस माया ऑन देयर ओन सो वी आर ऑल अंडर द बॉन्डेज ऑफ माया 
There are three things that exist. According to all of our scriptures, Vedas, Gita, Puranas, Ramayana, they all refer to three tattva, three eternal existences. Gyagya Udvavaja Vishani Shavaja Heka Bhoktri Bhogyartha Yukta Anantashchatma Vishwarupo Hyakarta Trayam Yada Vindate Brahmametat Shvetashvatropanishad says there are three eternal tattva Brahma Jeev Maya Brahm God Jeev the souls us and Maya, his power. Mayam tu prakritim vidyan mayinan tu maheshwaram. Upanishad says this Maya, which is eternally existing, belongs to God. It's his power. So God is eternally existing. He was never created, he can never be destroyed. He has always been, he always will be. The souls have always been and always will be. They were never created and they can never be destroyed. Na sato vidyate bhavo, na bhavo vidyate sataha. Gita. Whatever exists has always existed and always will because energy cannot be created or destroyed. So Maya is an energy. Therefore, it also was never created and it can never be destroyed. It has always existed and it always will. Therefore, the Mahabharat says, Satyam Bhutamayam Jagat. Satyad Bhutani Jatani Sthavarani Charani Cha. This world is made from a really existing power called Maya. So the power which it is made of, Maya, really exists. Therefore, the world really exists. And who is the one who activated Maya and caused it to produce this world? God did. So God is real. Maya is real. So the world, which is made by God with his power, Maya, is also real. This is an undeniable fact, and it's also our own experience. If this world were just the appearance of the world and it weren't really here, it were somehow the creation of our own imagination, then we would not all see the world the same way. But we do. Every one of you sees this dia burning here. Why? Because it's really here. You're not imagining it. If we were imagining it, someone would imagine uh, that there was an apple sitting there. Someone would imagine a dia. Someone would imagine uh, anything. But it's not. It's real. So we all see the very same thing. Anyone who's sane and whose senses are working properly, they see the same thing. So this world is real. We can't deny its existence and we can't deny its necessity for us. This is why Krishna says in the Gita, he admonishes Arjun. Natyashnatastu yogosti nachaikantamanashnataha nachati svapnashilasya jagrato naivacharjuna yuktahara viharasya yukta cheshtasya karmasu yukta svapnava bodhasya yogo bhavati dukkaha 
He says, Arjun, someone who wants to follow the spiritual path also needs to be disciplined in their worldly life. So he says, this path will not be successful for someone who sleeps too much or who sleeps too little. This path will not be successful for someone who eats too much or who eats too little. This path is successful for someone who moderates his eating habits, sleeping habits, and his behavior. He's not overly extroverted, not too social, but also he just finds a balance. So he lives a healthy life, a disciplined life, making use of what he needs from this world, but not overdoing it either. Gautam Buddha one time was sitting under a tree doing meditation, Nirahar. He wasn't eating anything for days, just staying in meditation. And he was starting to feel dizzy. And it was distracting him from his meditation. And just then, some village ladies came walking along, carrying their pots on their head, and they passed by singing a song. And the meaning of that song was that the Tanpura, you know, the instrument, that you play as background for classical singing. Their song was saying that the tanpura has to be correctly strung at the right tension. If it's strung too tight, you'll pluck the string and it will snap and break. And if it's strung so loosely that it's it's just weakly hanging there, you try to pluck it and no sound will come out. So if you're too dila, in your worldly life, no discipline, so you won't succeed spiritually either. You have to have a, a proper tension, not too tense, <laughs> but not too loose either. Just a good, healthy discipline, balanced lifestyle, moderate behavior. And if someone adopts this kind of living, then they will be able to be more successful on their spiritual path. So it means we have, to an we have to adopt an approach to our living in this world like this. Yes, sansar hamare upayog ke liye hai. Hamare upabhog ke liye nahi. Upayog means to make use of something. And upabhog means to indulge in trying to extract happiness out of that thing. So this world was never meant for anybody's upabhog. It's meant for your upayog. Why not? Because upabhog means finding happiness. Where is happiness? Happiness means divine happiness. That's in God. So God is for your upabhog. Believe it or not, you might have never thought of it that way. God is for your enjoyment. You're supposed to enjoy God's happiness. And the world is for your body, so that's for your upayog. But don't try to find happiness in worldly things. It's a dhoka. I explained that to you yesterday. It keeps presenting the allurement that, oh, you can find happiness here. Just like, uh, you know what they do, they, if they want a donkey to pull a cart, and the donkey's being stubborn, He's not going forward, so they'll tie a stick to his back, which reaches out on an angle in front of him with a carrot hanging from it. And the donkey wants that carrot. He sees it, so as he moves forward, though, because the stick is tied to his back, the carrot also moves forward. So the donkey keeps chasing that carrot all day, but he never catches it. It's always just out of his reach. In the same way, the world presents the hope 
of happiness, the promise of happiness, and we develop the hope of getting that happiness. But am I right or not? Is that happiness not always just out of your reach? We live in hope. We do not live in happiness in this world. We fool ourselves because we're always hoping to find happiness in this person, in this thing, in this success or attainment. We have the hope of finding happiness and that hope is always there in my mind. That's why we get up in the morning. Oh yes, this thing might happen today. I might accomplish this. I might get this thing. So with that hope, we get up in the morning that from these things I may find happiness. So we live in hope, we don't live in happiness. Because even when you get that thing, it's a fleeting experience of happiness. You enjoy it for some time, but then you get bored of it. Or something changes and you can't keep enjoying that thing, so it doesn't last. So you get a momentary enjoyment, and then you have to keep looking for something else. So in this way, the world keeps just giving us like a, an allurement of happiness, but never giving us the real thing. Had we found the real thing, we would have stopped looking. When someone finds what they're looking for, they don't keep looking. Then you, you say, ah, I got it. That's it. So then you'll sit down and you'll enjoy that thing. You'll stop looking. We have never stopped looking because we never found the real thing, which could make us happy forever. So, this world is always giving us the illusion of happiness, but it's never giving us real happiness. So we need to understand that and not make this world for our upabhog. It is not. God is happiness. He can give us happiness. We will get happiness when we attain Him. And this world is not useless. It's for our upayog. So what are we supposed to use the world for? Calories, vitamins, minerals, protein, the things your body needs. See, it's perfect math. This world is made of maya and your body is made of maya. So the world is material and your body is material. So what does your body need? It needs things from this material world. So that's why the world is here. So you can get what you need for your body. Now inside your body, your divine self is there, your soul. So your soul actually permeates your whole body. Omnipresent in your body is your soul. And omnipresent in this world is God. So your body needs the world and your soul, which is present in your body, needs God who pervades the world. Very simple math. So everything you need is right here already, but don't get mixed up. Don't look for happiness and calories from the world. Look for calories from the world, medicine from the world, the things you need for your body from the world. But for happiness, look to God who is omnipresent in the world. So God is for your soul, and the world is for your body. So we are meant to live in this world, but with this understanding, that the world is for our use, it is not for our happiness. So we make use of it in a disciplined and healthy way. Then our body will be healthy, and our mind will be healthy, and then we'll be able to do devotion. 
if someone wants to do bhakti to God and ignore the discipline of living correctly in this world, they won't be successful on their devotional path either. If you ignore all of your physical needs, your body will become ill, and that will disturb your mind, and that will disturb your spiritual path. When our body is healthy, then our mind feels more healthy, feels more relaxed. And with a relaxed, healthy mind, someone can do devotion to God and successfully attain God in this life. So don't think that, oh, I'll give all of my attention, I'll do devotion to God properly. But I'm going to be sloppy and careless in my worldly activities. That won't work. You only have one mind. If you're going to be sloppy and careless in the world, you'll end up being sloppy and careless in your spiritual path as well. So we have to live properly in the world, live carefully, do everything correctly. And in that way our mind has that kind of alertness and careful awareness and we use that skill and that quality of the mind, that sattvic nature of the mind to do devotion. So the world is not useless, it is for us. It's for our use and we're meant to use it in a balanced way to support our devotion. Sharir madhyam khalu dharma sadhanam Our scriptures say that this body is the means of doing bhakti to God. Tan binu bhajan veda nahi barana Without a physical body, you can't do devotion to God. Sadhana dhama. This body is your sadhana dham. Sadhana means the means of reaching God. So only with this human body do you have the chance to reach God. So we have to take care of it. But why do we take care of it? So this is the crux of the whole matter. If someone is eating food because they like the taste of it, not that, you're, not that you have to think, next time I'm eating food, if the food tastes good, oh no, I'm not supposed to have tasty food. No, it's okay, have tasty food, but number one, the priority should be healthy food. If it happens to be tasty, good, you should be able to get it down your throat. You have to be able to, it has to be tasty enough for you to swallow, that's fine. But that's not the goal of eating food, is to satisfy your taste buds. No, the goal of eating food is to make your body strong and healthful, healthy. Why? So you can do devotion to God and attain God in this life. Then your eating becomes karma yoga. It becomes devotion. If you're eating because it tastes good, that's not karma yoga. That's just rajas eating, you can say, just eating for enjoyment. If you're eating with this intent, that my body needs sustenance, God has given me this body so that I can do devotion to Him and attain Him. So I need to honor that. I need to treat my body properly. I need to keep it healthy. And I'm going to use this body to do devotion to God. Then your eating becomes karma yoga. Even your working becomes karma yoga. You think, oh, I need to make money. Why? Because I have a physical body. 
I need to have money to buy food, to buy medicine, to keep a roof over my head. So this is why Veda Vyasji says, Yavadhriyet jatharam tavat svatvam hidehinam adhikam yobhimanyet saste no dandamarhati Bhagavatam Veda Vyasji says in very stern words that you are only to use as much of this world as you need to meet your basic necessities. He said, Jatharam, whatever you need just to fulfill your needs of your belly, that much you have the right to in this world. Anything more that you accumulate for your own personal enjoyment, he says, Sasteno, that person is a thief, and Dandamarhati, he will be punished in his next life accordingly. You see, we make improper use of this world. We do. Almost every one of us, we go around this world looking, well, what can I enjoy? What can I enjoy? What? Oh, let me eat this thing for my taste buds. Let me watch this thing for my enjoyment. That's not what the world was meant for. Veda Vyasji says, Take just what you need from this world, the rest give it in charity to help those who don't even have what they need. If you keep more for your own self, he says, God will treat you as a thief. He'll punish you accordingly in your next life. So, this world is to be made use of just what we need. Then what are we supposed to do with the rest of our time? Now, most of the time, whatever extra time we have, we use that trying to enjoy the world through our five senses. So if we're just taking what we need from this world, that means we're going to have a lot of extra time on our hands. What are we supposed to do with that? Devotion to God. God gave us this body to do devotion to Him. You are given this body to do devotion to God. We never think of it in such simple terms, but that's why we were given this body. Why did God do Srishti in the beginning? He didn't create this world for Himself, He created it for us. So you might say, why would He create a world like this? If He was going to create a world for us, He could have done something better, don't you think? A world with less suffering, more enjoyment? No, actually, God didn't create this world out of nothing. Surya Chandrama Saudhata Yatha Purvamakalpayat Rigved. Exactly as the universe was before, God just reproduced it. So the universe also has a cycle. It's here in its physical form right now, and when God destroys it, He doesn't actually destroy anything, He just dissolves it into a subtle form. So during that time, the souls are inactive, like uh, dormant inside God, and so is Maya. Then when God reactivates Maya, the universe is manifested again. 
and the souls come forth and take birth. So why doesn't God just leave the universe in that dormant state and let the souls stay dormant within Him? Because just like there's no use to seeing someone lying in a hospital bed in a coma forever, what's the use of living like that? He's alive, but he's in a coma, never to wake up. So if we're just lying inactive, dormant inside of God, what is the use of such an existence? We're inside of God, but we're not experiencing God. We don't know God. So God manifests the universe so that we can get a human birth, know Him through the scriptures and the saints, find out about God, find out about the path to God, follow that path and attain Him. Having attained Him, we know Him, we experience Him. Then we've attained the goal of our life. Why is that the goal of our life? Because every soul is divine and God is divine. And not only that, we are His unch. Unch means we're His power. We're a part of Him. So we don't belong to this world. Our body does, but our soul belongs to God. That is why every soul is astic, meaning believes in God. Every soul loves God and believes in God already. Loke nahisa vidyeta yonarama manubrataha Valmiki Ramayana there never has been, nor is there, nor will there ever be such a soul who did not wholeheartedly desire God. So even if a person's mind is confused and might think, oh, I don't know if I believe in God, I don't know if I want God, your soul wants God. Every soul wants God. So attaining God is the goal of our life. And he manifests this universe so we can get a human body, find out about Him through the Vedas, Gita, other scriptures, learn about Him from the saints, follow the path to attain Him, then we attain Him and we get to be with Him forever. In other words, we attain the ultimate goal of our very existence. That is why He produced this world. So the world is just a medium for us. We need to get a physical body so our body can be alive, senses, mind. Using our senses, mind, and body, we can do devotion to God. Without that, we can't do devotion. So that's why God produces this world, so we can get a human birth and do devotion to Him. There's no other reason for it. So every time He gives us a human birth, it's with the hope and the expectation that we will do devotion to Him this time. But every time He gives us a human birth, we get attracted to the world and we forget about Him. And even if we do pray to Him, it's only to ask Him for the world. We don't desire to meet Him. So this is not what He meant it for. He just meant this world to provide sustenance for our body and we're meant to devote our attention, our heart is meant to be devoted to Him. So if someone lives in the world with this understanding, it means their whole life is dedicated to God, yet they're still living a good life in the world, observing their physical responsibilities to their family, to the society, doing their job. 
but not with the intent of getting happiness by doing those things. Just with the intent of getting what he needs out of the world with the understanding that my life is for God realization. This is karma yoga. Your mind and heart in God and your body in the world. That's karma yoga. This is the karma yoga of the Gita. And it is only possible to live that philosophy of the Gita if you understand what I just explained to you today. That this world is for your use and God is for your happiness. So if you live your life like that, you have reconciled the Bhautik Vad and Adhyatma Vad. So both go together, actually. You can't ignore the need for material things and you can't ignore the need for God either. You need both together. Because you yourself are a duality. You are the divine soul who inhabits a material body. So you are both divine, your true self is divine, but you have a material body. So your body needs the world and your soul needs God. In fact, our Sanatan Dharma, our Hinduism, which is based on the knowledge of the Vedas, has two facets to it for this very reason. Dharma is of two kinds. Aparadharma and Paradharma. Paradharma means your supreme dharma, the, the dharma that will join your soul with God. So that is bhakti. That's paradharma. And your aparadharma is your physical dharma. How should you behave in the world? How to be a good person? What are your family duties? What are your duties to the society? What are the duties for people of different ages and different situations? That's an extensive description in our Vedas of all the do's and don'ts. How to be a good person in the world. What everybody's duty is. But this is not the paradharma. This is just to keep things nicely going in the world. To maintain harmony in the family and in the society. Nobody finds perfect happiness by following that aparadharma. That is just to maintain harmony in the world. You get perfect happiness by following the paradharma. Savai punsam parodharmo yato bhakti. Bhagavatam. Veda Vyasji says your supreme dharma, the paradharma, is whatever increases your bhakti to Krishna. His words, exact words. Whatever increases your bhakti to Shri Krishna is your supreme dharma. Everything else is your secondary dharma, your physical dharma of your physical body. Therefore, Purva Mimansa says, Abhyudaya Nishrayasa Siddhi Sadharma. A definition of Dharma. Dharma is that which gives you Abhyudaya and Nishrayas. Abhyudaya means material well being, peace of mind, and what you need physically health, good physical health. So, one dharma, your aparadharma, if you follow it, it will give you that. And the other dharma gives you nishreyas, which is ultimate happiness. 
So dharma gives you both because there's two kinds of dharma. Sanatan dharma, Hinduism, is of two kinds or it has two facets. One is for your physical body, your physical dharma in the world, and the other is for your soul, your spiritual dharma, to do bhakti to God. So through bhakti to God you can attain divine happiness and through doing your physical dharma you maintain your discipline and your goodness in the world. Both are required. Just like I said, Bhautikvad and Adhyatmavad, you combine them together. You reconcile them. You synthesize them. You need both. And we see the very same thing is there essentially in our own Hinduism because Sanatan Dharma means both kinds of Dharma. So we see that in fact there's no conflict between the two if we understand the goal of our life is to attain God. But in order to do that we have to live properly in the world as well. Now there's one other question which I didn't even get to today, which I'm going to save for tomorrow. The question of when it comes to Hinduism, how do we know we can have faith in Hinduism? I told you Hinduism is based on the Vedas and the other scriptures like Gita, Ramayana, Puranas. And it's based on, it's reaffirmed and reauthenticated by all the historical saints who have given the quotations from these scriptures as evidence that these things are correct. Now why should we have faith in that? We ourselves have no direct proof of God's existence, even the existence of our own soul. None of us has ever seen our soul. We have no direct proof of the existence of reincarnation. We have no direct proof of the existence of the law of karma. We don't know. Someone may say, I don't believe I'm going to get the consequences for my actions. We have no actual proof that we've seen it ourselves. None of us do. Then does that mean that believing in these things is a blind faith? And if so, we're living in the modern world. This is the scientific age, the age of reason. Everything has a reason. Everything has proof. So when we're so scientifically minded, when we're so rational, then does it mean we're being irrational or unscientific if we believe in God or we believe in the things that are written in our scriptures when we have no direct proof of that? Is it okay to believe in God and believe in science? Are the two opposite to each other? Are they contradictory? Tomorrow I'm going to answer all of these questions for you. So we'll finish today by doing some bhakti to God. We're going to sing a song, a kavali actually, written by my Guruji, Jagad Guru Shri Kripaluji Maharaj, expressing feelings of humbleness and devotion, surrender to God, which are important for a devotee to develop. When we sing God's name, we should feel humble. But God, I'm nothing without you. Please come to me. So with these feelings and feeling God's presence, we'll sing this kirtan.
खोटी खरी सुनाता हर 
दीदार न तेरा पाता
साखी कुछ कोटी खरी सुनाता हूँ सुनाता हूँ 